All right, well, we've reached something of a turning point in our narrative. And so uh, at the end of 700 years, uh, we have a kind of a shift in things. And it's a good time just to step back a little bit and return to our basic theme or thesis that we're uh, really presenting here through the whole series of teachings. And and that is that when Jesus uh, brought the gospel, lived and died and was raised again, he established a pattern for us. And all those who follow Jesus are supposed to follow this pattern, which I'm calling by my spirit Christianity. This is the basic pattern that we see in the New Testament. We see it in the apostles, their teaching, their lives, and then the apostolic fathers. And for 300 years, we see this pattern. Not perfect always, but the pattern is intact. And let's just review that real quick. That uh, first in the pattern is the surrendered life. We live no longer for ourselves, but for him who for our sakes died and was raised. Uh, we cast our crowns before him. We live for him and for the things that he has for us, rather than just going for our own interests and uh, to promote ourselves. So then the surrendered life leads to the equipping and the empowering and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So the, the presence of God, the power of God is given as a gift to equip us to follow the rest of the pattern. So that leads to the third ingredient, which is he writes his laws on our hearts. This is not a legal code, uh, but it is an empowering and a quickening and awakening of conscience to discern properly the difference between right and wrong. The, the, the sense of what is right becomes a hunger and a desire within us because he is working to work out his will in us, and that's going to mean uh, the basic laws of righteousness become ingrained in our hearts more and more, and he writes his laws on our hearts. It's one of his promises. Fourthly, Jesus himself becomes our, our model. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and that's going to lead us into humility, because uh, Jesus himself said, I came as one who serves. So we're going to outdo one another in showing honor. Rather than trying to get honor and get reputation, we're going to humble ourselves and see what we can do for others. Um, there's a, a basic humility and servanthood lifestyle that's at the center of this. And then out of that, um, as people practice that kind of humility, love and unity in Christ become possible. So there is a, a dwelling and a praying in one accord, and that in turn leads into uh, a prayer authority that, that God gives to his royal priesthood. The church becomes a royal priesthood, praying together in one accord, and having authority over nations, so that the authority of prayer is the authority that the body of Christ relies on, rather than worldly authority. And then, 
uh, finally, every Christian, every believer, every follower of Jesus gains a personal one-on-one -on -one connection with God. Uh, so that personal inner connection, the listening and the prayer and, and that relationship uh, is what Jesus died for, the temple curtain torn in two, and that's God's, as it were, inviting us, come in, come have fellowship with me, and every single Christian becomes a royal priest. Every single Christian gains that relationship and uh, can prosper in that. So that's the pattern, a sevenfold pattern. But then we saw then how in uh, 4th century Rome, Constantine came together with Sylvester I, the Pope. The, the, uh, the Pope and the Emperor uh, make a, an alliance, which could be a good thing, but what that ends up doing is supplanting the, the original pattern with another alternative pattern, and we're calling that power and might Christianity, so that each of those basic ingredients gets replaced as being normal for a Christian. Okay, so we're not looking at uh, surrendered life particularly. We're, we're looking not at surrender to Christ, but we're going to look at mere obedience to the Pope. Uh, then we're not looking at um, receiving the Holy Spirit and walking in the power and equipping of the Holy Spirit. We're simply talking about receiving the power of Rome or receiving political power and just walking in normal worldly authority. Then not laws on hearts because the worldliness of the church as it's becoming uh, kind of normalized in Rome is going to bring corruption along with it and there's going to be corruption at even the highest levels of the church. So no longer laws on hearts but and humility replaced by a people just walking around like kings, living like kings, building palaces, doing all the things that royalty do, but that does not mix well with humility. And then instead of love and unity in Christ, there's going to be a pattern of uniformity, which is a cheap substitute for unity. So everybody uh, is forced into this pattern of uni uniformity through a hierarchy uh, going right up to the Pope. And then authority of prayer replaced with the authority of Rome itself and the political power that the church is going to gain because of this linkage with the emperor. And then finally, the personal connection with God no longer uh, for ordinary Christians. Instead, Lord, the, the Lord is replaced by uh, a hierarchy of priests. So everybody's not a priest anymore, but most people need to just submit to the hierarchy. So instead of a direct connection with God, the church is offering itself uh, as a replacement for God. It, and you just need to submit to the person who is over you in the Lord. God has provided this hierarchy of people instead of himself. 
And so that becomes an alternative to the seventh uh, ingredient in the pattern. So here's another pattern, and we're going to call that a stronghold. A stronghold, the word comes from 2 Corinthians 10 and verses 4 and 5. Um, and a stronghold, the way Paul describes it there, is an argument. It's, a, it's a, an alternative teaching to what the scriptures teach. Okay, so, and it's in the church. So in the church, there is an argument that goes against what God's word clearly teaches. Okay, here's God's word that says, Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This becomes a description of Jesus' lifestyle, and it's the, in, the ingredients of, of, the, of those who follow Christ. Okay, but now here's a generation in the church that's saying, no, we believe that we are advancing beyond that, and now we have a better way, and we believe that uh, our way now is going to be normal, and it becomes normal. In other words, it's a stronghold because lots and lots of people are going with this. So uh, the, the original pattern is now being replaced in the church, and the, the more people going along with it, it, the stronger the stronghold becomes. So what we're saying now is that for the first 700 years, the by my spirit pattern was normal for most Christians. And we've traced that right through Egypt into Gaul, into uh, Wales and Ireland and Scotland and coming down into England. And that was the pattern that we saw with Patrick, just read Patrick's wonderful confessions, his um, his personal testimony, or read any of the of the stories of the ancient Celts. It's it's by my spirit Christianity, just from top to bottom. Uh, it's and it's it's common. It's it's normal. It's considered. This is the way Christians live. But now here's another pattern coming in with the Roman church. And uh, I do think I need to say that uh, it's going to look a little bit like Doug McMurray is not in favor of Roman Catholics. This is a, an anti-Roman Catholic teaching. And if you think that, then you think wrong. We're just trying to, to trace God's track record. But now something is going to come in and replace the pattern that leads to that track record. You see, it's going to interfere, and we have to deal with the, the history of that and how it came into being. And so, yes, it did come in through the Roman Catholic Church, but if you trace this teaching any further and go on with it, you'll see the power in my Christianity is just as much a Protestant thing as a Roman Catholic thing. Any Christian can be a power and might Christian. All you have to do is de de decide to be to do that, it, to, to not have the original pattern in your life, but rather to go with this other pattern, which is very, very common. It, many, many people have had this other alternative pattern. Of course, I'm 
I'm not really recommending that pattern. We're, we're going to see that it's done a huge amount of damage. We're, we're going to try to learn from history here, but we're not wanting to create the impression that uh, this is a, an anti-Roman Catholic teaching. Uh, so, first of all, let me just say, uh, Jesus himself said, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In other words, he's wanting us to look deeper. He, he doesn't want us just to, to judge with labels. And denominational labels can do that to you. If you, if you decide to categorize people by denomination, that's going to be a good invitation to judge by appearances. And that's something we're not to do as Christians. It's good to, to recognize that there are three very similar Greek words in the New Testament. One is the word krino, which means judge. Uh, second is the word katakrino, which means condemn. And the third is the word diakrino, which means discern. So each of these words refers to a kind of judging. But what we want is the third kind. We're trying to discern what's going on inside the church to see what the, the, the desire of God is for the church and then to see how people have allowed the enemy to plant uh, false teaching or false patterns. The pattern is what's, what's so bothersome here. Um, it's, it's not exactly doctrines, but it's patterns that are not Christ's pattern for living. And so then that becomes an alternative that interferes with the advancement of God's kingdom and his ability to use us to advance God's kingdom. Okay, so let's avoid denominational labels. And then let me just also say that uh, the teaching I'm following is was really developed more by a Catholic named Malachi Martin in this book, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Church. Malachi Martin, being a Catholic, is not anti-Catholic. Uh, he's He grieved over the uh, tragic waywardness of his own uh, denomination. And he, he goes through and he, he traces the history of that uh, through his book, um, wonderful writer and, and able to, to see into the deep things uh, of, of each period of the history of the Roman Catholic Church. And I recommend this book, but it's not, it's not fun reading. Um, so anyway, Malachi Martin, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Church. And then let me also just say that uh, back when I was a young pastor, I was part of a charismatic movement, and uh, uh, we, my wife and I, we had charismatic Catholic friends who ministered to us, nurtured us. We got close. Um, the Lord is always reaching out to every denomination and trying to pull us back to the original pattern of uh, the New Testament. And in fact, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to say here, that we've got basically three 700-year uh, segments um, 
of which we're still in the final 700 years. Um, and and I'm, I'm not saying that after 2100 years it all comes to an end. Don't, don't, I'm just using these 700 categories here as a convenient way of thinking. That's all this is. So we've got 700 years of by my spirit Christianity, which is normal Christianity, and then we've got 700 years in which the Roman Catholic Church brings another pattern, and we're going to have to see that become the normal pattern during the Middle Ages. And then another period of time in which God is going to go overboard uh, to return his people to the original by my spirit pattern. And he's going to be um, adding uh, pieces and segments and and all of these different pieces. Uh, and it's going to be slow going because people are used to one thing, but then God is saying, no, no, I, I want you to learn the original way that I had. And it's very important as we move toward the end of the age that all Christians see that it's always been the by my spirit pattern that's advanced the kingdom of God. Let me just add one more thing before I quit this segment of teaching. And that is, it's almost as though the two sides, the Christian side and the satanic side, are going to reverse roles. Up until the end of the 7th century, Satan is going to be coming out into the open with just evil, just evil. Like we saw in that story of the malignant pool. You've got, um, you've got death and destruction and you've got people being proud of terrorizing uh, people groups and keeping them in bondage through sheer terror, death and destruction. You see this everywhere. In Evagrius, you go back to uh, St. Anthony, uh, all of the Celtic uh, uh, stories, you see the enemy coming right out into the open with uh, evil, destructiveness, terrorizing people and keeping them in bondage through that method. Uh, whereas then the church is going to come out and directly confront that and uh, and the enemy is going to realize he doesn't have a chance. So he's going to switch and he's going to uh, go into guerrilla warfare. Now, what's guerrilla warfare? Guerrilla warfare is where a, a an army that knows that it's the losing side, it knows that it's the weaker side, and the only way it can hope to win is by going into the woods, hiding, and then coming out and attacking, and then going back into the woods again. So they're, they're becoming a kind of a cat and mouse type of warfare. And, uh, and hiddenness becomes a very important scheme of the enemy. So now in this second 700-year period, you're going to see the proliferation of occult societies. Occult means hidden. And that's the way. Secret, hidden, um, that's the way that the enemy, the Druids are going to go into hiding, but they're going to be very much still there, but they're going to be underground, hidden, and uh, just a whole variety 
of secret societies, and the enemy is not going to really come out into the open quite so much. But then, ironically, the church is going to come out into the open, and there's going to be all this bravado and military might and crusades and all of this kind of stuff, but they're going to forget the true weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but they are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. And so the church is going to lose. It's like the church forgets everything that it's known during this first 700 years and becomes rather obtuse when it comes to how to fight the enemy, or even if there is an enemy to fight. All right, so let's go on to this next segment of teaching.